September 3rd, 2015, my name is Joel Tillis, and you are listening to The Soul Trap. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to the broadcast. We always consider it a tremendous honor anytime you listen, especially when you guys give us feedback. We appreciate it. We trust that you enjoy the show. We trust that they're informative. But most of all, we want to um, we want them to entertain you, but we want them to make you think. We can all use a little bit more of people that think today. Today, I want to tell you a story. Probably, to me, one of the spookiest stories that I've ever come across. Certainly one of the most hard stories there are to explain apart from the paranormal. Every day, every moment of our lives, we live in close proximity, in present proximity, to a spiritual dimension that is powerful and real and unseen, yet a vital and connected part to the reality in which we live. It is a world that the Bible is very explicit about existing and very insistent about us not prying in too far. Believers should be aware of this unseen world and its presence, but we should not be overly infatuated with its darker side. To do so certainly would lead down a very dangerous road. Our business is evangelism, Christ walking in the light of the gospel and acquainting ourselves with all manner of truth. But make no mistake, the spiritual world, both light and dark, it is there. Most of the time we operate unaware of its presence and effects. We operate as if the physical is all that there is. But we both know in our heart, we know in our experience, and I think we're seeing more and more on the stage of human activity day by day, manifestations of the reality of the power and presence of that spiritual dimension that lies with just within reach, but still on the other side of the veil. Occasionally, though we operate for the most part in the material, for one reason or another, there are these hapless souls that venture too far beyond the common grace barrier that God has erected. They enter into a realm of the spirit world for whatever reason might be a realm for which they are neither prepared to face nor capable of describing. Nor are we often ready to admit that what we are seeing unfolding in their story or seeing unfolding around us is in fact the powers of darkness breaking through the veil of this physical realm. Every once in a while you come across a story that reminds you there's something weird, something wicked out there. Such is the case of Elisa Lam. Elisa Lam was the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong who lived in Vancouver. She was a student at the University of British Columbia. Elisa left home for a road trip. We're not sure how long she had planned to do this or even what the source of her motivation was, but in January 2013, She headed out for a trip to Southern California. 
alone. She called it her quote-unquote West Coast tour on her Tumblr blog. She said she planned to visit San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and San Francisco. And she intended to travel alone, and she did just that, most of the time on Amtrak and inner-city buses. She visited the San Diego Zoo and posted photos taken there on social, social media sites. The fullest detail of her actual travels, the sights and sounds, and the experiences that she visited and had remains to be either unreleased or fully investigated. But this we do know. The road trip that began in January 2013 found its terminal end at the Hotel Cecil in Los Angeles, California. There would be Elisa's last stop. The Cecil Hotel is where she spent her last week on this earth. On January 26th, she arrived in Los Angeles and checked into the Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Hotel is an old hotel near downtown's famous Skid Row. Originally, it was designed to be a business hotel in the 1920s for men and, that were involved in business traveling back and forth. But eventually, the Cecil fell on hard times during the Great Depression, as most hotels and businesses did in the 1930s. And quite frankly, it never recovered its original glory. It continued to decline into the 60s and 70s and 80s and really became one of those old hotels that are often in downtown areas and inner cities. A stop for harlots and hookers and pimps and drug dealers. It's glory days long gone. If you're in the mood for spooky connections, though, and interesting backstories, you need to look no further than the Cecil Hotel and its murderous history. One of the things that's interesting about the hotel is some of Los Angeles' most notorious murders have either taken place at or been somehow connected to the Hotel Cecil. Elizabeth Short, the famous victim of the Black Dahlia murder, the city's best-known unsolved killing, supposedly made the Cecil her last stop before her ritualistic, violent death. In 1964, Goldie Osgood, the quote-unquote pigeon lady of Pershing Square, was raped and murdered in her room at the Cecil, another crime that has never been solved. Jack Underwager and Richard Ramirez, the famous serial killer, the Night Stalker, both resided at the Cecil while on their killing spree. And this does not even include the numerous above-average suicides that have taken place there, one of which actually killed a pedestrian walking by in front of the hotel. One writer said, Although the hotel has tried to spruce its image up, the Cecil will reveal to you whatever it is you're a fugitive from, whatever you're running from, whatever you are. The hotel seems to bring it out. Elisa had been diagnosed prior to her road trip with bipolar disorder and depression, something she had lived with for, for quite, a min, quite a few years. She had been prescribed several drugs to deal with the condition. According to her family, in with the disorders, although she had these disorders, there had been no history of suicidal ideations, uh, 
no neurotic breakdowns, no hallucinations or attempts. However, something was haunting Elisa. Maybe it was depression, maybe it was something more. But one thing is for sure. We know that in that time in January, Elisa found her way into the corridors and into the caverns of another world. While she was traveling, she was careful to maintain contact with her family. But it was strange, noteworthily strange to her family, that on January 31st, 2013, the day she was scheduled to check out of the Cecil and leave for Santa Cruz, they did not hear from her. Eventually being worried due to her conscientiousness about contacting the family, they contacted the Los Angeles police, and the family flew to Los Angeles to help with the search. Elisa had disappeared off the face of the earth. The Cecil staff, the hotel staff, who saw her on that day, said that she had been alone and they had witnessed nobody with her. Outside the hotel, Katie Orphan, manager of a nearby bookstore, was the only person who recalled seeing Elisa that day. Quote, she was outgoing, very lively, very friendly. End quote. While getting gifts to take home to her family, Orphan told CNN, quote, she was talking about what books she was getting and whether or not she was getting, uh, what she was getting would be too heavy for her to carry around as she traveled, end quote. So we do know that on that day, she was at least intending to travel. Police, the Los Angeles police, searched the hotel to the extent that they legally could. They searched Lamb's room and had dogs go through the building, including the rooftop, looking unsuccessfully for her scent. Sergeant Rudy Lopez later said, We didn't search every room. We could only do that if we had probable cause. We had to believe that a crime had been committed, and to our knowledge, no crime had been committed. Eventually, flyers were circulated. News outlets began to pick up the story. But no matter how much light was brought to the case, there seemed to be no break in the case. Another week went by without Elisa being found. On February 14th, out of frustration and inability to find out any leads, the LAPD released a video that they had been holding due to the sensitive nature and the confusing nature of the video. It was a video of the last known sighting of her taken by a video surveillance camera on February 1st in one of the Cecil's elevators. And here, boys and girls, is where we really begin to go down the rabbit hole. The video that they released is so strange and bizarre that it literally drew worldwide interest in the case due to Elisa Lamb's strange behavior. You can clearly watch the video on YouTube, Google it. In the two and a half minute clip, the camera at one of the elevator's cabs, elevator cab's rear corners looks down from the ceiling, offering a view not just of its interior, but a portion of the hallway outside. It's somewhat grainy, and the timestamp at the bottom is, is obscured. At the start of the video, Elisa enters from the left and goes to the control panel. She appears to select several floors and then steps back to the corner. After a few seconds during which the door fails to close, she steps up to it, leans forward so her head is through the door, 
and looks in both directions. It is unmistakable to notice and to sense that it's as if she's looking for someone who should be following her. She lets the door remain open. She walks to it again and stands in the doorway. This time she's leaning on the side. Suddenly she steps out into the hall and then to her side, back in, looking to the side, then back out. She then steps sideways again, and for a few seconds she is mostly invisible behind the wall she has her back to, just outside. All the time, the door remains open. Throughout the video, she is nervous, frightened, scared. I don't think I'm reaching too far when I say the video shows her to be scared of someone or something. She turns to her right and begins rubbing her forearms together in a very weird gesticulation, then waves her hands out to her side with palms flat and fingers outstretched while bowing forward slightly and rocking gently. A very interesting physical manifestation. This can all be seen through the door which remains open. After she backs to the wall again and walks away to the left, it finally closes. When the door to the elevator closes as she walks out, Elisa Lamb is never seen again. Whatever she was or was not afraid of, whatever was or was not following her, we have no idea. But when you see the video, and my words do not describe the bizarre eeriness, the macabre feel that you get, whatever was in her head, or whatever was in that hallway, she was scared of something. If you watch the video, you would swear, you would swear that someone or something is just out of the range of the camera. It's almost as if there is somebody on the other side, aware of the presence of the camera, knowledgeable of the angle of the camera. Normal or paranormal, I know not. But you would swear that She was interacting with somebody or something. She is afraid of something, something that is there and yet not seen by the eye due to the camera angle or due to the dimensional angle in which you and I are limited by. There are many theories found and listed on many different sites that do investigation into these sorts of things. One, noting the Cecil Hotel's dark past, posits that Somehow or another, she had become possessed during her stay. That she had become possessed with some sort of demonic entity. Some say she was playing what's called the elevator game, a supposed way to interact with demons and to travel from one dimension to another and back again. Another suggests that what Lamb was trying to do was to get the elevator car to move in order to escape from someone who was pursuing her, and that's why she's continually looking to the left and right and stepping in and out because she's afraid that someone is coming after her. Others, including a body language specialist who reviewed the video, suggest she might be under the influence of ecstasy or some other party drug. When her bipolar disorder became known, the theory that she was having a psychotic episode also emerged. Whatever the theories were, the problem still exists. Elisa was still missing. 
as the high-profile nature of the case passed on and things went by without any break in the case, days turned into weeks, guests at the hotel began to complain to the management about low water pressure in their rooms, both in the shower and in the faucet. Days went by, and eventually, some of the guests began to claim that their water in their rooms was oddly colored and had a slightly unusual smell. Employees tasked with the maintenance of the hotel began to investigate. On February 19th, an employee went to the roof with multiple complaints about the taste of the water and the color of the water the pressure of the water when people were taking showers. An employee of the Cecil Hotel went to the roof where four 1,000-gallon water tanks provided water for the guests' rooms and the kitchen and coffee shop downstairs. It was in one of these 1,000-gallon tanks that the body of Elisa Lamb was found. The coroner's office reported that they had found her death to be an accidental drowning, and they used the bipolar disorder as a significant factor. They didn't go so far as to claim that it was suicide, but they strongly intimated it. Their full report was released, released four months later in June after being postponed several times. They reported that her body had been found naked in the tank, about half to three-quarters full, with the clothes she appeared to have been wearing in the elevator floating in the water alongside her. There was no evidence of physical trauma or sexual assault. Although they had a rape and fingernail kit done, they found no evidence to suggest that she had been assaulted, and they could find no evidence to the contrary that she had committed suicide. The investigation seemed to claim to determine how Lamb had died, drowning. But it did not offer an explanation as to how she got into the tank. Doors and stairs that accessed the hotel's roof were locked, with only staff having passcode and keys, and any attempt to force them would have triggered an alarm. The hotel's fire escape could have allowed her to bypass those security measures if she, or someone who might have accompanied her there, had known how. The question remains, though, even if she could have reached the tanks, how did she actually get in there? All four tanks are four by eight foot high cylinders propped up on concrete blocks. There is no fixed access to them, and hotel workers had to use a ladder to look at the water. There was no ladder remaining there. There was no steps that she had built. There was no residual evidence that showed how she got into the tank. Not only was there no residual evidence that showed how she got into the tank, the tanks themselves are protect, protected by heavy steel lids. Now the question becomes, when you look at the size of this young lady, how did she get that heavy steel lid off? But the even deeper and more perplexing question is, once you were down in the tank, in the water, treading water, how on earth would you replace the lid? And how would you replace it so tightly and so perfectly that no one would notice it even being disturbed? Another issue is that the police dogs that searched through the hotel for Elisa Lamb's 
of Elisa Lamb, they searched the roof. Shortly after her disappearance, they searched the entire area, and nothing was noted. They found no trace, no scent, no clothing, nothing. Why was nothing picked up? Why was there no trace on the roof if she had obviously and apparently been there? There is simply no way to explain how she got up there, how she got in there, how she was able to accomplish what we're saying she did. Somehow, this young lady crawled into a tank after she had taken her clothes off. With no residual evidence of how she got in the tank, how she sealed the tank, or that she was ever on the roof. There is simply no way to explain how this was accomplished. Synchronicity, coincidences are a strange thing. And in a moment of synchronicity gone wild, this whole story reminds us of almost an exact movie plot. A movie by the name of Dark Water, a horror movie called Dark Water that was released in 2005, eight years before Elisa ever died. In the movie, Dahlia, the main character of the movie, moves into an apartment building with her daughter, Cecilia. Cecilia. Hotel Hotel Cecil. Note the connection, the names, Dahlia, Cecilia. Note those connections well. In the movie, the daughter's name, Cecilia, obviously quite similar to the name Cecil Hotel. After moving into her apartment, Dahlia notices dark water leaking from the ceiling in her bathroom. She ultimately discovers that a young girl named Natasha Rimsky drowned in the building's rooftop water tank, which caused the water to turn black. In the movie, the owner of the apartment building knew about this fact but refused to take action. Elisa Lamb's body was in the water tank for over two weeks, causing hotel guests to complain about foul-tasting, quote-unquote, police report, black water. The ending of the movie is so eerily relevant. The apartment building's elevator malfunctions, and the ghost of Cecilia's mother braids her hair. It is Elisa Lamb's death. Is Elisa Lamb's death one of those ritualistic murders? that are synchronistically mirrored in a Hollywood movie? I don't know. Is there a spiritual dimension behind it? I don't know. Is there something dark and sinister behind it? I don't know. All I know is is that when you read this story, it becomes more and more complicated and more and more strange. When you start reading about this story, it it is very odd. And almost to add... One more layer, layer of coincidence and synchronicity. Around that area, Skid Row, there was a test done for a possible tuberculosis outbreak. The name of the test? Lamb Elisa. It's a tuberculosis diagnosis test using urine and samples to locate tuberculosis in suspected patients infected by the disease. Elisa Lamb, Lamb, Elisa. You can't write this stuff, man. You can't write this stuff. I don't know what happened to her. There are a lot of theories, a lot of different ideas. But I do know this. The world out there, 
as beautiful as it is, as wonderful as it is, as great as it is, it has its dark corners. It has its spooky stories. Better be careful the next time you're drinking water. You never can tell what's in your water.